Today's gospel readings from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 21 through 37. And Jesus said to the disciples, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, You fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on your way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard what it, that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife except on the grounds of unchastity causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is a footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. So the children's sermon is a little more fun. The adult sermon is a little more challenging. I mean, you, you heard the gospel, Jesus talking about anger and lust and cursing. Difficult things. But what I, I want to start off by saying though that this is not about divorce. It's not about remarriage, it's not about lawsuits, it's not about saying cuss words. It's about condemnation. That's what Jesus talks about at the end, is that condemnation. But really what it's about, what Jesus is, the people that Jesus is talking about are people who are vulnerable. The people who are the powerless party in these relationships that involve condemnation. So take, for example, the, the woman, the hypothetical woman that Jesus talks about being divorced. In Jesus' time, um, Women could not divorce husbands, but, but men, the only, the only thing they had to do to divorce their wife was to go into the marketplace and renounce her. They didn't have to have any reason. He could just go and renounce her, and she would be destitute. Because, of course, in this time, women couldn't own property. So that woman, if she didn't satisfy her husband, if she was too old she could be condemned to a life of poverty. 
simply by the whim of her husband. Jesus is talking about lust. He's talking about people who are condemned to objectification, to just being objects in somebody's eyes. People who are passed up for advancement because they're not seen as human. He's talking about people who are condemned to jail by a frivolous lawsuit or condemned by someone's anger, riddled with shame. So this is about condemnation, but it's not about condemning people who get divorced or curse or lust or get angry. Jesus is calling out the people who condemn people twice over. People who are quick to leave others at the street corner with nothing, who are quick to shame them, but then are also happy to say that they are good and others who make another transgression are bad because it's worse than what they do. So, so think of it this way. Think of, of you know, a, a good and honorable spouse in this time could be unhappy and unsatisfied in marriage, but they might say, well, at least I didn't divorce my spouse. But they might look at others and imagine life better with them if only I had a spouse like them. What does that do to that relationship? Even if they stay in the marriage, what does that do to the relationship? It still condemns their partner to be less than a full partner. And it's not just sexual stuff either. I mean, think about raising kids. Raising kids in a, in a marriage is tough. And there are times that, I don't know about you, but I feel powerless. And so sometimes we blame our spouses. Well, if they would parent differently, if they parented the way that we parented, maybe somebody else that I see would be a better parent if only my spouse was just like them. Sabotages the relationship just the same. Or think about those times when we pour ourselves into our work. We stay long hours at the office or wherever we are condemning our spouse to parent on their own. There's a whole lot of ways that we can condemn those that we are in partnership with without doing these things that at least according to the Bible are against the law in one way or another. We condemn each other in a lot of ways and they have the same impact. And so we might think to ourselves, well, I don't use cuss words, but I swear that God hates some people. These are all ways that we use to condemn one another. And, and we can look at that, that one rule that we're not supposed to have. It's against the Ten Commandments, or it's against this, or it's against that. But it justifies what I am doing, even though I'm already condemning somebody. I mean, the reality is that life is hard for all of us. I'm convinced that's why we look down on each other so much sometimes, because life is just hard. And so we condemn people for taking government benefits, even though we took the stimulus check. 
even though we take every tax deduction we can get. Because I worked hard. Life wasn't easy for me. You know, we're glad that our church took a PPP loan even though our church doesn't pay taxes. Because the church is good. And it's legal. But don't spend too much money on that thing or that thing. We really struggle with this. We struggle with condemning others, thinking that our not-so-extreme measures are better. That they are taking advantage, that they don't deserve something. But really, where is the line between deserving something and, and something being okay and not being okay? That's what Jesus is talking about when, when he talks about adultery and he says, well, you know, I'm not just talking about adultery or divorce. I'm talking about lust. I mean, Jesus is blurring that line. Because it's already blurry. It's even more basic than this, though. Have you ever noticed that kids eat things like pretzels or chips as if they were a wood chipper? <laughs> I'm serious. Have you ever noticed that when kids eat stuff, it's like, it's like they're a wood chipper, and they just like grind away at it loudly? And just as soon as you think it's over, Another chip goes through the grinder. <laughs> we love those kids. But sometimes it's easy to get angry because, you know, we've worked hard all day long and we're trying to relax. And life is hard and I need peace and quiet and so we might shame them into stopping. Condemning them for their eating habits. But whose issue is it reality? Is it the one who's chipping those chips? Or is it the one who's having a hard time with their day? Is it theirs or mine? Couldn't I just remove myself from the situation, remove myself from the room, rather than condemning someone that's just going about their life rather loudly? So often we condemn others because of the stuff that we're going through, not because of the stuff that they're going through. You know, one of the ways that we do this, this kind of passive-aggressive condemning, is we say things like, hate the sin, love the sinner. Either way, we really are condemning them. We use these these words of law and righteousness, words of even love sometimes to disguise the fact that we are judging them and putting them down and dismissing them and their experiences and their stories. We choose to not understand them because it's too complicated and too hard because our lives are hard. As if theirs aren't complicated too. And so we find ourselves in that place of condemning others because their sin is more condemnable. This part, of this, this gospel that Jesus is saying, it's not about divorce or lust or anger or lawsuits or cussing, but it absolutely is. It's about each and every one of our relationships, choosing to be in the relationship or out of the relationship. 
And so often our choosing is based on the struggles that we are facing. At least I don't do that. At least compared to that, I'm managing okay. But here's the tough reality is that life is hard. And it's hard not just for me. It's not just hard for you. It's hard for everybody. It's hard in different ways. We go through different experiences. And I may not understand what you're going through. But it's tough nonetheless. I don't know anybody who has an easy life. This weekend we went to the movies and we saw a movie called A Man Named Otto. O-T-T-O. And um, it's a pretty heavy movie and funny movie, both at the same time. And and basically there's this man named Otto, O-T-T-O, who goes down the street checks and makes sure that everybody's parking passes are hung in the right place on the rearview mirror. He judges his neighbors based on how they park or what they shovel or whether or not they've sorted the recyclables properly. He's a grumpy guy. Out of struggling. He's going through some very difficult, heady things in his life. But that doesn't excuse him condemning others. In the midst of it all, Otto ends up being awfully rude to his neighbors, even as he's judging them, shutting the door in their faces instead of asking their names. There's this one point where there's a teenager coming by and he's, he, and he's dropping off ads. Um, that's his job. He, he you know, goes by on his bicycle and throws ads. And, and he stops and says, why don't you get a real job? <clears throat> And this young man says, I actually have two other jobs. I I work at a restaurant, and I work at, I can't remember what the other one is, but a gas station or something. And Otto's response is, oh. He didn't know that part because he'd never taken the chance to understand. It was so much easier to condemn because of the pain, because of the hard things that Otto was going through. But I don't think I'm ruining the movie by telling you that Otto kind of comes around. By seeing his neighbors, by getting to know his neighbors, by them loving him, and him receiving that love. People are going through very difficult things just as we are. Their headwinds just might look differently. And his neighbors teach him how to love again. The thing that's really hard in our lives is that we live up to such high expectations. I remember shortly after I was here for just a couple months as a pastor, I was was talking with our Bible study group and, and, and someone said, you know, pastor, you haven't preached a bad sermon yet. It feels good. It's a lot of pressure too. My response to this person to, you haven't preached a bad sermon yet, I was like, don't worry, I'll disappoint you. <laughs> it's coming. Because think about that, that pressure that, you know, we begin to think, I mean, we could go down the road of, well, well, thank you, I am great, and I am wonderful. But the other message that it sends, and the thing, the, the thing that we might struggle with, is we begin to think that maybe I can and I should 
be that perfect and infallible person. Maybe I should preach a perfect sermon every week. And that pressure gets so great that it becomes overwhelming and we get worse and worse and we get buried by that pressure. That others need me to be this. That others need me to be perfect. Otherwise, I am failing. And that sets us up for failure. And so Jesus, he calls us to get over these things. To acknowledge that we are struggling as much as our neighbors are struggling. And like Otto eventually in the movie, to choose partnership over condemnation. In our Deuteronomy reading, God says, I set before you curses and adversity and death, but also prosperity and blessing and life. Choose life. When you find yourself looking around and feeling like life is really hard, that you are overwhelmed by one thing or another, when you look around and feel like there are no options, there's only adversity, there's only curses, know that that's not at all. Because that blessing and prosperity and life is there as well. God has given us partners in this life, people who look and act and have different experiences that are different. And so God says, choose life. Choose to be in partnership instead of condemning them and ending those partnerships. God calls us to life. God brings us to life by these very people that might annoy us, these very people that might be like a wood chipper eating pretzels might just be the greatest blessings in our lives. Thanks be to God. Amen.